Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. This week, we also have a very special guest, our friend Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, I am excited to be here. So happy Sarah's finally joining us. She's probably going to be on a lot more episodes because Sarah has a lot of opinions about the books we've read. A lot. Yes, we're very happy to have her instead of just in our group chat. (laughs) Smut Squad! (laughs) And us mentioning her in every episode when we talk about books being recommended to us. So now all the fans know you. I am excited. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing Ruby Dixon's book-topped sensation, Ice Planet Barbarians. It's alien smut summer, y'all! Woop <laughs> Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. Trigger warning, discussion of sexual abuse, non and dubcon, and traumatic death. Alright, so I would say that blue alien romances are not my norm when it comes to (laughs) choosing books. So you might be wondering, why did we decide to pick up this series and read it? So this series blew up on TikTok uh, due to user, I believe it's, is it Charles Swansong? I will go with that. Her name is Emma, though. I know that. Good. So Emma... I'm assuming, like, Charlie Swan, like, it's a Twilight reference, but I might be wrong about that. Uh, She recommended it. It instantly became a viral sensation. It blew up on BookTok, which Sarah and I are on all the time. And because of BookTok doing its thing, it has hit number one on many different charts on Amazon. Am I right in saying that it hit number one on, like, the overall charts as well? Or was it just on the science fiction charts? Do either of you know? It was number one in romance, yeah, for sure. That's what I thought it was. And I was trying to find, like, the post or the screenshot to refer to. But, I mean, I'm in so many groups and <laughs> we post so many TikToks that it's, like, difficult to remember where you see something. But I'm pretty sure it was just in the romance genre, which is, like, a huge genre. So that's very, very impressive. It is. And I also learned the other day, fun fact. That romance is the number one selling genre of any genre of book. So romance makes the most money for publishers worldwide. As it should. Yeah, I'm not I'm not shocked by that as all by that at all. And I feel like, you know, the majority of people reading those romance books are women or people who identify as women. People need to take women's interests more seriously. Driving force in the economy. <laughs> Uh, So there are 22 books in this series, which when Sarah first shared that with us, I was daunted by that number. (laughs) We were like, we are not going to read all of these books. Yeah, I believe I was offered as tribute uh, to make sure that I was the one to read 22 books and then you guys would see how it goes. That's exactly what happened. We often make Sarah read things first and then report back to us about her thoughts on it because she's just willing to dive in and try anything. And Ashley and I are not. (laughs) No, if anything, I think that I'm the one that has the biggest amount of like nopes. Hence why I had to read Credence. (laughs) And you even forewarned me about Credence. And I was like, well, I mean, I got to experience it for myself. 
I did forewarn you about Credence, and you still went for it. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it, there's much more darker things out there, but there's just something about that book. It just wasn't for me. It was not for me either. I can't do keeping it all in the family. That's <laughs> such a fucked up way of putting it. God damn it, Ashley. <laughs> I, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> it's like too taboo for me. So, Sarah recommended uh, the series to us after she... Did you see it on Book Talk first, Sarah? Am I correct? I definitely had. I think it was Jessa that I saw it from, but I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Seven foot tall blue aliens with massive cocks. <laughs> we gotta read this. So, Sarah hopped in our group chat and was like, listen, we need to read this. And Ashley and I were both like uh sarah we're not quite so sure about this but then because sarah is persistent and she does not give up easily she was like no you two are absolutely going to want to read this and then it was just all on board the alien smut summer train (laughs) (laughs) choo-choo yes and uh that's our hashtag is hashtag alien smut summer 2021 so if you would like us to see that you're reading this series, please use that hashtag. Um, but I feel like for me, Sarah saying that we should read this series would have been like somebody telling me that I needed to read this series like with like tentacle porn. Like for me, that's what it was like. And I'm someone who like loves aliens and grew up watching a lot of sci-fi type of things. And it, yeah, I just, I was very apprehensive. Why do you think you were so apprehensive about it? Uh, I think that it's because of a lot of the negative connotations that come along with like sci-fi and then adding that romance component into it. I was just kind of on the fence about it. Like I could see myself reading like a Star Wars or like a Star Trek book. And I've actually read like um, there's like some X-Files books out there. But yeah, I guess it's the romance aspect of it that I was like, oh, humans and aliens, like, having sex, that's, like, a weird thing. But then once I actually got into the books, I was like, wow, this isn't weird at all. It's super hot. Ruby has just a way, Ruby Dixon, the author of this wonderful series, has a way of just easing you into it in such a way where you're like, yeah, I'm 100% on board with alien romance. I can get behind this. Um, my background with sci-fi writing in middle school, I was obsessed with this series and I cannot for the life of me remember what the title of the series was, but I don't even think I ever finished it. I think I was on like book seven or eight, but it was very similar to this in that like people were traveling through space. There were, if I remember correctly, they were in pods. Like some of the women are in this book that put them in like a stasis And then in this series, something happens in the ship that boots them out of the stasis and they like crash land on another planet and it's them trying to like survive. And it was a bunch of teenagers because it was a young adult or kids series. But if anyone remembers (laughs) what that series was called, I would love to go back and look at those books again because I was obsessed with that series in middle school. But like ever since then, I haven't really gravitated towards sci-fi at all so this was like my reintroduction into sci-fi and it has just been so wonderful because who doesn't want to mix sci-fi and romance it's a great combination apparently 
You know what I think Ruby does well is that sometimes sci-fi is so overly complicated Mm -hmm. with how they're building the world and there are things that you don't understand, but it's ice planet barbarians, so they're like caveman aliens. So there's not a whole bunch of new technology and new things you need to know. They're just on an ice planet, and they're just like sweet little... No, they're not little. They're big alien men. (laughs) Yeah, and that's something that I loved about this series, too. It's not like you're in this really complex world that's full of all this, like, tech. They're, like, you know, pretty simple people, and there's just, like, I don't know, there's something attractive about that, like, living in this day and age where technology is pretty much everything and we rely on it so much for everything, but they're, like, making their own clothing and, like... (laughs) having a fire and ruby does do a really good job of introducing like the backstory in a very natural way so it doesn't feel like like sarah was just saying like you're getting hit in the face by like 15 pages of exposition that you have to wade through and figure out like the background of this world it really unfolds naturally in that first book and you get to really understand what's going on how these women got here and then get a little bit of backstory on the aliens themselves as well. So speaking of that, let's talk about our setting in our series. So each book in the series, every uh, all of the 22 books, uh, <laughs> focuses on a different couple and tells their love story. Each couple is typically a human woman and a male alien of some kind. The first several books revolve around an alien species named, I'm, I'm going to do my best here. I believe it's the Saqui, but I might be wrong. Uh, but later books I have heard, because I haven't read to these yet, introduce new types of aliens into the mix. Sarah, have you gotten to any that have different aliens in them yet? I am so close. We are getting there. <laughs> uh, I am excited. I I think it's pronounced Sakui, Sam. Like, because if they call it like the cootie, I feel like that would make like, at least to me, that makes the most sense. But uh, like I said, I have no idea. It would be nice if there was a bit of a pronunciation guide. <laughs> yeah, something to, to help us out here. Uh, so the story starts off book one with all of the human women being kidnapped from Earth by an alien species, a different alien species. I do want to clarify that from the one they end up romantically involved with. And this different alien species seems to be very advanced technologically. They abduct them from Earth, and they they seem to have abducted them because they plan on selling them in some sort of, like, skin market. And they trade in living beings of different kinds. And so (laughs) I see Ashley put in the notes, alien sex traffickers. Thank you, Ashley. (laughs) Just thought that that was important to add that in there. a great way of putting it (laughs) so initially they had kidnapped five women and they had those stasis pods that i was talking about earlier and those five women were in the stasis pods but then they got a little bit greedy (laughs) and they decided that they were going to try and cram as many human women into their cargo hold as they possibly could and so our main character in book one georgie is one of the last women who are picked up off of earth and because their cargo ended up being so heavy because they kidnapped so many women, they were late to their next pickup point and they needed to drop the extra weight. So they decided to drop their extra cargo on the secondary planet in order to save time on their journey. 
And I think that the most disturbing thing for me about, like, the dropping of the cargo is that they had a literal, like, shit bucket. (laughs) Oh, God. I forgot about that part. Um, There there was shit everywhere. Yeah, so they're a bunch of, you know, Earth women who are abducted in, you know, in their sleep. That's, like, the typical, like, I feel like alien abduction trope. And they're dropped, like, from a spaceship, like... And their shit bucket just goes everywhere. Just everywhere. Like, you're in your pajamas, which, like, I don't know what you guys sleep in, but usually for me it's, like, shorts and a t-shirt, and they're just coated in feces. Like, what the fuck? Nightmare fuel is what that is. Yeah, yeah. And there's no way of, like, cleaning yourself. (laughs) Like, awful. And I do want to bring something up, because I saw it on TikTok, too, is that a lot of people were irritated that there was no trigger warning about the sexual assault that comes in the first book um from the aliens that they were kidnapped by so i guess we can throw that out there you know if that is a trigger for you then you could probably skip the first couple of chapters and use a synopsis and then you don't have to deal with that again good looking out sarah that's a good point yeah and i mean there's other there's other times where like for other characters that stuff like that's like alluded to as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh yes. Um some books you haven't gotten to Tiffany's book, that is a really heavy thing in her story um as well as Josie's book. Um so there are flashbacks. I'll have to look and see which exact books those are, but they are dealing with their trauma. Uh just to point out the fact that this drop off of cargo was not a soft landing either. So when they landed on this snow and ice-covered planet, they landed, like, crash-landed, and pretty much all of them were, like, pretty badly injured in the process. So you're injured, you are covered in feces, your, you know, pod, like, your portion of the spaceship that you were in is, like, severely damaged, and it is, like, a freaking ice planet, so you're freezing. Nightmare So not fuel. a fun time. <laughs> just terrible nightmare fuel (laughs) so the cargo uh which consisted of all of the women on the ship uh ends up being dropped on an entirely snow and ice covered planet that the humans nickname not hoth as an ode to the snowy planet from star wars i loved this so much i was trying to place it because like i've i've seen all the star wars films multiple times but Hoth is where um, Luke is in, like, the one of the first movies, right? Where he has to, like, cut open that animal and sleep inside of it because uh-huh. it's so cold. Exactly. Uh-huh. And, you know, this book has me wondering, like, it's like, okay, if you had to screw a Star Wars alien, mm. you know, I'm guessing General Akbar can get it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a trap. It's making me think a whole different way. About aliens. Is it weird that I'm kind of attracted to Darth Maul? <laughs> no, he's dangerous. <laughs> Sam, he's got a double-edged lightsaber. He seems like someone that you would be attracted to. <laughs> <laughs> like a, like, creepier darkling. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for validating me. <laughs> Listen, as long as you're not saying Jar Jar Binks, I think we're okay. Oh, wait, who was the guy who was at the bottom of the trash chute? That's the real no. It's all right if we can't remember. I I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. 
Can you imagine what Jar Jar's dirty talk would be like? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I, I need to know if there's like a fanfic <laughs> out there for this. Guaranteed there is. What a, it's rule 34 on the internet. If if you can think of the porn, it exists somewhere. <laughs> so if any of you have any, I'm gonna need some links because I just think it's hilarious. Like, Why are you bringing that on yourself? <laughs> it's like, Misa so horny. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm legit laughing so hard. Oh, shit. Oh, anyway, shit. speaking of that, one of my friends at work does love this um, Star Wars series. I'll have to find the name of it. I'm sure that she she'll, she would have some comments about this episode. <laughs> So their crash landed on Nothoth. Uh, the first book gives much of the background that you need for the series. Um, it follows the character of Georgie, who is our uh, main character in the first book, as she searches for a way for the humans to survive on this frozen planet and stumbles across Vectal in the wilderness. And Vectal is the chief of his tribe of aliens. And Georgie and Vectal connect. It's their love story in book one. And it's really the beginning of all of the love stories of all of the human women and the aliens. So it's really a great beginning to the series because it gives you a lot of the background that you need in order to understand the rest of the stories. Yeah, and I mean, they are not my favorite couple. I mean, they're cute, but I think that they're a nice introduction for us with this, you know, world. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really have much drama. You know, the language barrier was their biggest problem, but they didn't have other factors of, like, an enemies to lovers or not getting along or some big overwhelming thing besides, you know, getting back to her girls. But, you know, they just kind of happened pretty naturally compared to the other couples. Um, I think that kind of works, especially since we're being given a lot of background knowledge in the first book to, like, keep their conflict pretty simple and straightforward and really make it about like the overall conflict of survival and like getting these human women acclimated to this new planet instead of adding additional relationship drama into the mix of all of that yeah so speaking of survival <laughs> something that georgie learns in book one uh is that humans and really any living things can't really survive on this planet due to um, a certain chemical in the atmosphere and that chemical slowly kills you <laughs> unless you have a symbiote in your body that allows you to survive the symbiote acclimates your body to the atmosphere it allows your body to handle the extreme cold and it helps to heal other things that are going on with your body and the aliens call it a, how do you say it, Ash Kui? I think it's a Kui. Sure. And the humans <laughs> call it a Kuti. And um, I love that they call it a Kuti. <laughs> I think it's just cute and funny. It was a nice little touch for the human women. Adds to their adorableness. So in addition to helping your body adjust and survive, the symbiote drives the living things that it's living inside of to find their mate and they're able to see like 
when two symbiotes are living inside of two different living beings, they're able to resonate with one another when they detect that you are biologically compatible and would be able to have like successful offspring with that other being. So when the symbiotes are in the humans and the aliens, we start seeing them resonate and mate with one another. However, we see at least two instances of two of the aliens who have their cootie already resonating with humans before they get the symbiote. So I thought that was interesting that the uh, symbiote was able to detect the fact that they could successfully create offspring with the humans before the humans even adapted to living on the planet. And the other part of that, too, is that you have people who were living in close proximity of each other for so long who didn't resonate, but then resonated later. So I think the cootie is a little bit smarter than just biologically, Um, especially when you get deeper into some of the other books. Um, Other things need to happen, not just physically for you to resonate with somebody. Yeah, I'm glad that it's not like just like, oh, like insta love like i saw you for the first time and my cootie like just resonated for every single book because i feel like that would be kind of boring if that was the case definitely i'm thinking like now i'm thinking of like the deeper biological connections so like i'm thinking of like when we're having strong emotions our body's biological chemistry changes like we have serotonin release for happiness we have different uh, chemicals, endorphins, hormones that are all kind of interconnected with the signals that our brain is sending our body. So, like, I'm wondering if, like, the cootie is waiting for, like, certain signals that your anxiety is low, your serotonin is high. Like, if it's looking for the correct levels of hormones in your body before it starts resonating so that your body is actually ready to get pregnant. I don't know. I feel like that's like a good, I'm sure that we could get into a pretty lengthy debate about this sort of thing. (laughs) So I have read the first five books so far. The fifth book being like the holiday special. It was cute. Uh, Ash, have you read the first four? Yeah, I've read the first four books. And I am superior and (laughs) I am on book 11. (laughs) (laughs) Halfway there. Oh, my gosh. We're halfway there. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to share our favorite pairings and favorite books so far. Sarah, you can start us off. Okay. Well, now that we know where I've been, I'll give you my favorite couple from the first four, and then I'll give you a little bit of a teaser for who my actual favorite couple is out of everything I've read. Good. Um, So out of the first four, uh, book three, uh, that's going to be Kira and... I guess Ahako? Uh, I was pronouncing it like Aiko in my head. Aiko? Whatever that man's name is. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were my favorite for a couple of different reasons. One of the biggest being uh, is that they did not resonate right away. They were going to be pleasure mates. You know, he was he accepted her for who he, she was and they were just going to live their life and not resonate and it wasn't going to be a big deal I because Kira that. thought she could never resonate with anyone. And because he made her a dildo and he <laughs> used it on her later. So 
that's reason enough to like them as a couple. But out of everything I've read, uh, Josie and Hayden are my favorite couple. That is your enemies to lovers book. And the fact that Hayden is like so big, like he's one of the biggest aliens like he's like almost seven and a half feet tall and she's like barely five foot so i think that's kind of interesting that sounds terrifying she seems to be okay with it i'm just gonna go ahead and impale you now which book is josie and hayden's because i've been looking forward to theirs based on their interactions in the books i've read so far i want to say that it's book seven um, and the other book that I love, um, is just like a little bit of a teaser for that one too, is we have a deaf human. Um, she had a cochlear implant and the aliens removed it from her. So that adds like a whole nother plot twist in communication. And the whole time her sweet alien is just like, it's my fault. I can't communicate with you. It's not yours. And it's just so cute. They're all so cute. All of them. Every single I, one. I do want to say in book five, uh, the one that I just read, because since we were talking about Josie and Hayden, there's this really uh, funny scene where the humans are teaching the aliens how to play soccer because apparently all of the aliens are very competitive. And um, <laughs> Josie's playing and one of the aliens accidentally like tackles her because they're like getting way too caught up in the game. And as retaliation, Hayden like pounds the other alien that tackled her into the ground. And then he like realizes what he does and like gets up and walks back to the cave and refuses to acknowledge anyone. I'm like, oh, poor, poor Hayden can't admit that he has feelings. Oh, it, their book is so cute. And there there's just like so much miscommunication um, it, because they both are self-conscious and they don't they each think each other hates each other, but they don't actually hate each other. Oh, <laughs> precious. I'm so excited for that book. Um, so my favorite pairing was Liz and Rahosh. Sound sound good? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, it was Rahosh or Rahosh, I think. Yeah. Either way, you're Rahosh, good. Rahosh, Rahosh. We're just kind of winging it here. Um, because their pairing was so perfect with Liz's archery background and Rahosh being a skilled hunter. And I love that they're both stubborn assholes and that they bicker. And I love that they still bicker even once they're mated and it just like I don't know it for me it feels like a very authentic couple um and I also love Kira and are we going with Aiko Ahako I don't know but mainly (laughs) because I find Ahako to be so like funny and sweet um and I don't know I thought that Harlow and Rook were really sweet together too and then the fact that he's been so isolated for so long and how obsessed he is with Harlow was just mwah, adorable but yeah basically Georgie and Vecta like I said were have been my least favorite but in a way I sort of feel like you know the like leader and his you know wife or mate or whatever have to kind of just be like you know normal and boring <laughs> uh so i agree with ash um i liked liz and rahash rahosh the best 
Uh, mostly because of Liz. I love how strong she is as a character. The fact that she wants to go out and hunt, even when the rest of the aliens are like, no, we have to protect the women. And she's like, you don't get to tell me what to do. And then at one point, uh, they're trying to separate her and Rahosh. So she, when she takes Iko <laughs> as her uh, captive and says that she's kidnapping him. And Iko's like, here, uh, you can have the knife back. Because at some point, she gave him back his knife and they were just chilling out and talking. <laughs> and, and the fact that Liz was the one... <laughs> who told him that women want gifts of like a replica of your penis and he <laughs> took it to absolute heart that that part of this series is what makes me laugh the hardest is when the girls tell the guys like some sort of english slang and they just have no idea and no concept of what's going on and it's just like an inside joke there's actually, that happens in book five. I'm saying this because Sarah hasn't read uh, the holiday special yet. But um, Georgie is trying to explain to Vectal what mistletoe is when she's, like, trying to convince him that they need to have, like, a holiday. And <laughs> instead of, like, understanding the big picture of what Christmas is, he just focuses in on the fact that mistletoe is poisonous. <laughs> and he's like, why would you want to kiss your mate when they've brought you poison? And she's like, no, you're not understanding. It's not about poison. So then they all start calling it not poison day as their holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the guys start just bringing random plants to the girls to try and get them to kiss them. It's very funny. So th <laughs> they celebrate not poison day. I mean, where so, does she come up with this stuff? Like, it's just so sweet and funny, and I love it. Like, Ruby so, Dixon's mind. bouncing off of Not Poison Day, we need to talk about the other stuff <laughs> that they say because they don't understand. Like, the third nipple. <laughs> <laughs> Every time <laughs> they call it a third nipple, I, I laughed. I couldn't help it. So the third nipple is the clit, and it starts being called the third nipple because Vectal, when him and Georgie first get together, Georgie is, like, teaching him, like, how she wants to be touched, and he's like, oh, like, in his dialogue, since we're seeing it from his point of view, he's like, oh, sh my mate has a third nipple between her legs, and he tells all the rest of the guys Everyone. about it. So all of them are, like, so intrigued by this third nipple. <laughs> And, and honestly, it's probably, like, the most interest the clit has ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> the first men to be, like, so determined. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, mouth mating is another one. <laughs> oh, yes. Also known as kissing. I forgot about all of these. And all of the aliens are for kissing, too. They're like, how did we never figure this out in all of this time like we've been missing out oh and like apparently oral sex the, too, uh, I thought was female like... aliens uh don't give blowjobs yeah so that was like a completely new experience for them these aliens are givers but i mean yeah, in their defense are. there's only like four of the alien women four or five of them so true if you're such a prize position you know i guess i wouldn't be giving blowjobs either <laughs> I also loved the point when they were talking about the third nipple and Rahosh is like trying to figure out exactly what that could be used for. And he's like, does, does the baby feed from the third nipple? 
okay, the imagery of that is so awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) Knowing what it was like for my child to bite my nipple. (laughs) That's just a no from me, dog. Would not recommend. I remember, like, the first, I don't know who said it, but, like, I think it was Liz calling Rahush baby for the first time. He's like, why is she calling me a kit? Does she not think that I am a, not a strong man who can take care of her? And we know that he, like, is, like, very manly. He is. Oh, that was so sweet when he when she was trying to comfort the girls and she was just like, you know, he's just, you know, scarier than the rest. And then he took that to heart and he thought, that she thought that he was ugly, and I felt Aww. so bad for him. I know. I love him so much. Me too. I Ugh. still, the fact that Liz convinced Aiko. But, like, <laughs> when Aiko finds out that Liz was, like, playing a joke on him with the whole making a dildo of his dick, he's he, like, just takes it in stride so well and is just like, Oh, well, it is an exact replica. I spent a lot of time looking at my penis in order to make this. And you know what the worst part is? Is he shares a cave with his family. So, <laughs> what, like, was his family watching him carve this dick? Are they just like, I go, like, what are you doing, my man? <laughs> just looking at his dick, looking at whatever he carved it out of, like, just making sure it's perfect and I loved I mean this is like somewhat of a spoiler but I mean we've said a few like a bunch of shit already but when they move to the other like cave system and he like brings it to like make sure that it's like you know they're at home there got a Christmas decoration yeah Yeah. it's, it's his favorite decoration in the new cave you just put this right up here on the mantle oh my god Interesting plot points. So something that we learn in book one and then it continues in other books is that this alien species, the Sakui or whatever, were not indigenous to the frozen planet. Instead, we find out that their ancestors were on an interplanetary camping trip and they got trapped on this planet when their ship malfunctioned. And over time, their species has adapted Uh, And they've become incredibly primitive in order to survive. And they have lost their understanding of their previous technology. And now they just kind of spurn the technology altogether. They don't want to use it. They don't like returning to that old ship at all. For whatever reason, it seems to go against like the values they hold now. Yeah. And I love how, you know, confused they are about the old ship. And I just thought it was so cool that, you know, it, they were on like a vacation initially, and it ends with them being trapped on this like awful ice planet. Just like, uh, the vacation from hell that turns into a lifetime of like going backwards in your society's advancement. In the latest books, I'm not completely there yet, but it sounds like there's more to the story than what they currently oh. know about why they are there. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Keep in mind that we don't know everything because we haven't gotten there yet, but we will be getting there. (laughs) Slowly but surely. But I fucking hate camping. I can't imagine. First of all, going on a camping trip on far away from my house in the first place sounds like a goddamn nightmare. 
to then go to another planet and then get stuck there on this frozen ice planet where I can't use my phone, I can't use technology, I would die. And I mean, that's, like, all the shit there that's trying to kill you, like, constantly. The the atmosphere. (gasps) Exactly. We've had this conversation. All three of us have had this conversation before of what would you do during zombie apocalypse? Kill me now. I'm I'm not down for it. What am I trying to survive for? Same shit goes here. What am I trying to survive for on this dumbass camping trip? Just kill me. Get it over with. I don't want to do this. Okay. I mean, that's a bit much for this <laughs> scenario. You've got a seven foot tall blue alien who's going to take care of you. You know, the zombie apocalypse, that's something else. Wait, wait, wait. Did we even talk about, like, biggest thing yet? Like The spur? The, like, yeah. We did not talk about the spur. Yeah, I know. And that's why I'm like, uh, for me, that would have been a huge reason. I mean, huge in both ways. (laughs) Why I would have stayed. Like, oh, just the spur. And I want to tell them what the spur is, Ashley. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So it's like they have these like giant ridged cocks that have a spur over top of it. (laughs) Like... For your pleasure. And all of the aliens try and act like the spur does not have any feeling. But every time one of these girls is rubbing up on that spur, they get a certain type of way. I don't know if it's a little bit of a toxic masculinity in the aliens about their spur. uh, (laughs) But they just need to enjoy the ride. Yeah, I want it to be like a male clit. Isn't the male clit just the prostate? Yeah, but, like, I think that, like, these aliens should be able to have both. Okay. Double pleasure. That leads us to another thing, is once they realize none of these ladies have tails, um, that opens up a whole (laughs) new world. That's a revelation for them right there. Yes, it is. Which is a revelation of doggy style. And where that spur goes during that. Like, about how tails could potentially limit your, like, anal sex or doggy style. Good good for you, Ruby Dixon, for, you know, really thinking this series through. And their tails are sensitive, too. Is it Rahosh that uses the tail with Liz at some point? Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> They're just the best. They really get creative with these differences in their anatomy. There has been some amazing fan art. Uh, with this blowing up, and I am so grateful. Oh, I know. It's been so good. And it's just, honestly, I never, like, I don't know. I didn't think I would be into giant blue men with, like, these, like, manes of hair and horns. Little did you know. I know. Just really opening my mind here. So this technology that is available on the ship um parts of the ship still function including like the computer that controls all of it and they're able to use that computer in order to get a language download basically in their brain that allows them to communicate with each other because like sarah mentioned in the first book the language barrier was a huge uh issue for them because obviously they're speaking two very different languages So the computer in the old ship is able to download English into the aliens' brains if they want it and download the aliens' language into the humans' brains. 
Um, before this, Kira had a translator like stapled into her ear by the aliens that kidnapped them. And she was the only one who could really communicate with the other alien species because of that. And I mean, that wasn't helpful to Georgie for the longest time while Kira was still back at, you know, what was left of the part of the ship that they were dropped in. And I thought that that initial, you know, part of that first book where like Vectal and Georgie are trying to understand each other, <laughs> like the like Shorshi. <laughs> Sure, she. Sure, she. It was adorable and I loved it. But I'm so thankful that the language download was a thing because I feel like it would have taken so long for the plot to speed along. Like, they would have just died because the cooey thing wouldn't have gone over well. Yeah, I think we need to talk a little bit more about that because I feel like when it happened in the book, I kind of like just, all right, I read it and I was over it. But then when you, like, actually, like, conceptualize what happened, like, they straight up slice up a monster beast, cut open its heart, pull out these worm parasites, cut a slit in your neck, and put it inside of you. Yeah, it's not a great visual. (laughs) Yeah, and it's an even worse visual when you think about doing that to your baby. You're not wrong. That's terrifying. (gasps) And if everything needs one of these cooties to survive, why do they always have to hunt down this big-ass beast? Like, why couldn't they hunt other stuff and take that cootie out for just, like, one baby? That's a good question. I don't... They don't talk about, like, finding the cooey in anything else. Like, so I don't know if... It's just that one animal that it can come out of i guess but it's like could maybe find a way? the other life on the planet has like evolved past needing it anymore and like they just reside in this beast but then it does make me question like how did they find this in the first place like did the ship yeah. tell them that the ship does know a lot of things the ship might be a lion bitch oh um, no we don't know yet ominous <laughs> but there's skeptics their skepticism about what the ship has been telling them. The all-knowing Siri is evil. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> it could be. It might Te- not be. Technology is actually out to harm us. <laughs> no way. Is this a very uh, sexy version of the Smart House movie by Disney? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we need to give Harlow kudos because Harlow completely taught. Uh, Rook language. They never went and got the download. That's true. She did. Props to Harlow. Oh, I love them as a couple. And, like, just, like, them living by, like, their little, like, ocean, like, villa and their life together. Just, oh, it was cute. Villa's a stretch, Ashley. <laughs> well, you know, they're cave, cave by the, cave down by the ocean. C- cave by the ocean. oh my goodness all right anything else to say about interesting plot points um i guess we should like the breeder kink is so strong in this one (laughs) so strong which i guess i didn't know that that was as much of a thing for me until this series but like it's got some got some attractive you know aspects of it that someone's like so into you that they're like oh i'm just gonna put a fucking baby in you <laughs> are you saying this unlocks something inside of you ashley 
I mean, I like, I don't know. It wasn't like I had like an awakening over this, but. <laughs> you know what, though? Like, I feel like once we read, um, what it, what was that book, Ash? Uh, the one where he kidnaps her and the devil you hate yes the devil you hate because i feel like towards the end of the book when that like whole breeding kink popped up i feel like before we read this we would have been like eh but we were kind of like okay yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right which if you haven't read that that series it's just some it's just a two part what's it called when it's a fucking duet (laughs) a duet it's a duet it's like a nice read the second book's not as good but like yeah that breeding kink is it's not a nice read (laughs) i thought it's a nice read it is a dark romance sarah and i both liked it better when he was still mean to her yeah i did like it when he was mean to her she liked it too i mean i don't know i think if you don't like a little meanness there might be something wrong with you (laughs) or maybe there's something wrong with us True. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, that's probably the more accurate part of that. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many TikToks on my For You page that are like, do you want another book where the main character is like bullied by the morally gray love interest? I have this for you. And it's like, seek therapy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what? You know what, TikTok? I didn't ask for this judgment. <laughs> Oh, you want stalker and kidnapping Rex? You need help. No, I need Rex. <laughs> no. Give me the recommendation. Give me the Rex. Y'all got any more of them Rex? All right. Overall thoughts on the series. Ashley, go. So I loved the campy feel of this series. And the whole concept reminds me of a book that you'd pick up on like a vacation from a gas station or something. It just like especially that the covers remind me of those like old school romance covers you know with a sci-fi twist though obviously um but you're going into it not expecting much and it it's actually really really fantastic and it sucks you in and like I said I grew up watching a lot of sci-fi with my grandpa and I'm obsessed with the x-files so aliens are just something that like interests me but not like in a romantic way um but yeah it just it took me a little time to get into this like I said I didn't think it was anything that I'd be attracted to but um I'm super into it now especially because it's aliens with reproductive organs that are compatible with humans and there's actually like a funny meme that I saw that I sent to Sam and Sarah earlier this week about that um but yeah these are just nice comfort reads I know that they're gonna overcome any conflicts that arise and the sex scenes have all been amazing like do you guys agree that the sex scenes are, are well written? They are. She knows what she's doing. She does. Cool. And you, these aliens like to please, and I like to see it. This is quality smut, and the aliens are some of the sweetest guys of all time, and they do. They live to please their women. So definitely do recommend. It's not like this was, you know, blowing up book talk for no reason. All right, Sarah. Yeah, I mean, I just love these big blue aliens. Um, It is such a good read in between my dark romance and my mafia books. You know, like, I've got to go from, like, BDSM, Russian mafia, and then, you know, you go over to the light side of faded mates and blue aliens and just doing everything that you can for your mate and then we go back over back to a dark read and then we go to the alien read 
life is all about balance um <laughs> and read these books i i'm just gonna have to echo what sarah and ash both just said i have been relying on these as my comfort reads already i know i'm gonna do the same thing throughout this entire summer i just whenever i need a break from the bully romances and the dark romances and the books that are breaking my heart these are also great books for when you have a book hangover from like a really intense series just read an alien romance just just read about some ice planet barbarians it'll break you out of that book hangover um but it's just an easy series to lose yourself in and it doesn't take itself too seriously and you don't feel like you're slogging through a million pages of backstory. It, you know what? Sometimes I just need to disassociate and read about sexy blue aliens. That's what I want to do. Yeah, so make sure that you read these. <laughs> Join us in Alien Smut Summer. All right. So this past week, I read Neon Gods by Katie Robert, which is a Hades and Persephone retelling. It was excellent. Highly recommend. Also um, blowing up, I feel like. <laughs> uh, I also read the first Kit Davenport book and the second book in The Shadows of Wildberry Lane by M. Sinclair. I really enjoyed the second book. I feel like the first book was like laying the groundwork and the second book really took off. Um, I read the fourth and the fifth Ice Planet Barbarians books and I felt very special because I got an advanced reading copy of Wandering Star from front of the show Willow Hadley. It was so good and I was so excited uh, to receive the arc from Willow. Um, highly recommend if you've read the Cricket series. I'm sure you're already looking forward to it coming out. I cannot recommend it enough. Ash? So I finished the complete Kit Davenport series, which I absolutely loved, and it's my favorite Tate James work to date. I know that um, the Hades series and Madison Kate get all the love, but I honestly feel like that series does not get enough appreciation. Um, so if you haven't read it and you like paranormal romance, definitely pick that up. I read Lords of Wrath by Angel Lawson and Samantha Rue, <laughs> and wow, it is just as painful and horrible as the first book. Um, I don't kink shame, and I really don't understand the appeal of this series to so many people, and I'm not going to divulge too many of my thoughts because we'll be talking about this book in next week's episode. I'm finishing up Wildflower by Willow Hadley, and then I'll start on the arc of Wandering Star that she so graciously gifted Sam and I with. Um, and I'll also be reading an advanced or, you know, review copy of Pack Darling, and that's an Omegaverse by Lola Rock that I'm really, really excited about. I'm obsessed with Omegaverses. And then I'm also excited to read uh, Gothicana and Run Riot. Um, they're on my TBR, and they're both kind of like more like spooky themed, like darker books. Um, but I've had a lot less free time with a project that Sarah and I are working on. Um, so stay tuned because we'll give you details about that at some point. Yes. So I also read, uh, we buddy read Kit Davenport. Um, and that was, that is just such a cute reverse harem. Um, the only thing we were missing was a little man-on-man -man action. But besides that, it was excellent. Um, I also finished Cute But Cute But Psycho by Beatrix Hollow, and I need literally everyone to read this book because it's insane. It's one of 
<laughs> the darkest things I've read. It's a paranormal book where they're all in an asylum. Um, and it's a reverse harem. And every single person is just absolutely delusional and nuts. Um, but they love each other. And the smut in that book is just excellent. Um, I read my uh, Learn My Lesson by Katie Robert, which is a Hades, Hercules, and Meg Minaj. Uh, that was great smut. And The Master by Cressley Cole, which is uh, Russian mafia uh, to a degree. Uh, really good master sub read. Um, and I think I'm going to take the plunge and read Priest for the group. Um Because they're a little scared to do it. And maybe friends with the monsters. Sarah will once again be our sacrifice and read priest for us and report back about whether or not we should do it. Sarah volunteers as tribute. Hey, Sarah, do you know if Cupid Psycho, is that a standalone? It is a standalone. That book is about 500, 550 pages. And it was perfect. Like, it, it got wrapped up nicely. I mean, like, if you've read Malice... And you know Anthony from Malice, who is, like, friends with dead people? (laughs) That is, like, every single one of these characters. All of them are just straight up nuts. That's why they're in an asylum. And it is a wild ride. And I, um, we've talked before, like, about, you know, really insane characters. And I feel like that's hard to do it well um because you know i was super excited about um the death club and then was like kind of disappointed with like the level of crazy that went with that even though i love caroline and suzanne so much but like in malice anthony's level of like crazy was like perfect i think so yeah i'm definitely gonna have to read that like i'm a little bit worried for the author that she was able to get into this mindset (laughs) to write these characters like it starts off with our uh our main character our female main character and she has been stalking her therapist for three years and she finds out her therapist is a serial killer and instead of being disgusted by the fact that he's a serial killer she is like so turned on she wants to keep his secret she just wants to confess her love for him and he's nuts too um and like i said there's a big paranormal turn of events and it's just every single one of these characters is nuts goodness i feel like if i read that i'm gonna have to do an alien book after as a palate cleanser I I don't get book hangovers really often, but I had a book hangover after that. I didn't know what to do with myself. So you've got reverse harem, a bunch of crazies. You've got MM, really, really Ooh. well done MM. I mean, like, I think it might even be better than my bloodline. Ooh. Ooh. That's how you get us interested is some good MM. That's quite I, a claim, Sarah. That's quite a claim. I know. I need, And I mean, it takes a while to get to that point, but I really need you guys to read it and then text me about it. Well, you guys haven't read Rise of the Witch either, and that has some good MM in it too. That is on my TBR. Yeah, me too. And I feel like my TBR doesn't mean anything. No, because it's <laughs> like TBR a million books long. <laughs> Everything's on our TBR. That's like, I love when some, like a fan will suggest a series to us and I'm like, oh yeah, like that's been on my TDR for forever. It just, you know, shit comes up. 
I am glad I have gotten over my fear of DNFing a book. You know, life is too short and books are too long. If you're not into that shit, DNF it. Um, I, so I have conflicting feelings on this because, like, especially since we do the podcast, Sam and I are already pretty committed to the, like, the Lords of Pain series. <laughs> like, <laughs> so at this point, like, we just have to see it out. And I think if, like, we're going to have all these strong opinions, we at least need to finish the series to kind of, like, back up our claims. You know what I mean? I would never leave a review for a book that I couldn't, if I, if you don't make it to 20%, don't leave a review. The book just wasn't for you, but guess what? It is for so many other people and that is okay. If you don't make it past 20%, don't be an asshole and don't leave a review. Oh, people in Goodreads are assholes all the time. Like, I got the first 10 pages and I couldn't read it. Well, thanks a lot, Karen. But no one gives a shit. (laughs) Bringing the stars down. Okay, guys, I just checked Ruby's Facebook page. She did at one point get to number one on the entire Kindle store. (gasps) Good for her. On June 9th, she was number one in the entire store. Very, very impressive. She definitely deserves that. All right. Any final thoughts before I do the outro? Just thank you for having me. This has been so fun. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be the last time. (laughs) Yeah, prepare yourselves for more episodes with Sarah because they're definitely coming. Whenever we do the Mafia episode, I am your Mafia girl. Hit me up with the Mafia Rex, especially Russian. (laughs) We could never do the Mafia episode without Sarah. Oh, it's just so good. Such a good trope. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we discuss our very strong feelings on the second book in the Royals of Forsyth University series, Lords of Wrath. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye!